When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Internet Wanderers, welcome to Real Sight. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Sight is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. J.D., will there be learning? Uh-huh. Will there be science? <laughs> will there be delightfully informal Explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. There will be. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like with the intro, because I am not an actor, that I like feel myself like, like I, I in a high school production or something. I'm oh, like yeah. hit that, enunciate, and it's like not. It's so forced. I'm not good at speeches. Hey, you're doing great. You have a following <laughs> doing... on a podcast. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely me. Apex. It's the charisma I bring. Apex living <laughs> is peak. Is peaked at, at podcast. My undeniable charisma. I have that it factor, you know? I mean, if, if I, like, the feedback that I get generally consistently always i just got that it factor you know yeah it that's what they say that's everybody says that i don't know what it is but you got it girl (laughs) you got it kid you got it dude coming out the years how you been (laughs) good just good everything's good yeah yeah it's like being cute and fall and that's nice it is being cute and fall, and the yeah. weather's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, we're on the same time zone. Wait, where are you? I'm in Michigan. Oh my gosh, that's why your background. Is, uh, okay, I didn't know. I didn't know if you were like, I don't know. Yeah, you just don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. You don't know the answer to. <laughs> we're talking from wooded areas. <laughs> Yeah. In in homes with lots of uh, wooded accents. Listen, wooded accents are the least offensive accents. Uh, Yeah. Our backgrounds are literally like wood and books. Wood and books. Yeah. It's that double O's. Those double O's. Those double O's. We could make cute little smiley faces out of both (laughs) of those words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm in Michigan. Uh, I went to a wedding this weekend. Uh, that was lovely for my uh, my new cousin that I didn't know existed. Uh, I mean, I kind of knew she existed, but like we're now friends. Yay. Um, and it was a lovely wedding and it was really fun. And the weather here is gorgeous and crisp and fall, but also warm. It's like 70 degrees, but the trees are orange. Yeah, that's a that's a great spot to be in. It's very nice. You do have to dress flexibly. All the time. Listen, I always have layers. That's yeah. Like my whole personality is like carrying a sweater. It's like an onion. Layers. Yeah. Because if you get to the middle, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did that horrible voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm not used to recording so late. It's nine. It's 9.52. Yes. And I thought you were on West Coast time. So I was like, it's just me that's suffering. <laughs> no, I- no, it's fine. It's fine. When you suffer, I suffer. Yeah. It's still before my bedtime. Yeah, same. Yeah. So should we uh so y'all, we have a new format. Yeah. Uh if you you may have noticed on the last episode, we already told you what this week's episode is gonna be. And then at the end of this episode, we're gonna tell you what next episode is gonna be. Yeah. And if you forgot, um, you can just look at the title of this episode and it's a clue. <laughs> That's right. 
And now, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a part of us that's like, why didn't we do this earlier? But I think, you know, we're just, we're learning, we're going along, but this is, this is fun because you get to guess with us audience and, um, we get to do everything in one, one little shot. So we could do everything in one little shot. Uh, so we get to talk about this movie. And then we'll take a break and then we'll tell you all the research about this movie. Yeah. While I was watching this movie, Joanna, which I love this movie. I love this movie so much. I, this movie, there is a joke every 10 seconds in mm-hmm. this movie. It's jam-packed. It's so funny. But the idea of synopsisizing this movie. It's, yeah, I wasn't quite sure. Because I also like... I also love this movie. I've seen it a bunch of times. It was wonderful rewatching it, but I also am having a hard time pinpointing what happens because <laughs> it's like everything all I the mean, time. Okay. So this cast, crazy. It's a good cast. We got, you got your Tim Curry's, mm-hmm. you got your Leslie Ann Warren's, your Madeline Cons, you got your Martin Mulls. You're Christopher Lloyd. You got your Christopher Lloyd's. I always forget it's him. And then it starts with him pulling up in the car. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Christopher Lloyd. It's yeah. the page master. Yeah. Um, always shocks me. Um, and many other people <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily know. Um, legends in their own right. Yeah. So this game is based on a board game. Which I also love. Which, of course, of it's course. so good. I have to like dig it out of my parents' attic. Exactly. It's somewhere. With a body. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this movie is based on the board game, uh, the Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers. I should know, which eh. I don't care. Same diff. Um, it's based on the board game, which is just a cute thing, anyways. Like, nice try, Jumanji. Well, yeah, I mean, and it essentially. Well, yeah, there's like the whodunit part of it, which is part of the board game. And then also the setting, right? So there's like all of the different rooms, um, potential weapons uh, or like, what are they called? Murder weapons Murder and weapons rooms. And yeah. Rooms. The, and so that's all like familiar from the board game. Yeah. So um, this movie, I also was really mindful that I was like, wait a minute. This is the second. This is one of two films where people come into this weird old house and Tim Curry takes them on a strange adventure. <laughs> he was like having <laughs> full rock having a moment. Yeah. Yeah. In the stormy night. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, wait a minute. This is the same thing. It's different. It's different. It no is one, different. No one is aliens in this movie. Yeah. Um. Anyways. So the synopsis for this one's kind of funny because we cannot, we're not going to do a, 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 a beat for beat. It's impossible, but essentially, you know, these seven strangers are invited to dinner. Yeah. They receive these anonymous notes. Mrs. White, Colonel Mustard, the butler. um, Mr. Green. Mr. Green. Is that one of them? Yeah. That's Mike McKean. Okay. Oh, yeah. Him. Or Michael McKean. Michael McKean. Yeah. Uh, And uh, who was who was. The professor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's Christopher Lloyd as the professor. Professor somebody. Somebody. Mrs. Peacock. Did I already say that? You said that. Mrs. Peacock. Professor Plum. Professor that Plum. Right? That's it. It's not the professor. It's Professor yeah. Plum. And green, white, mustard. There's there's the old lady. That's Peacock. Oh, who's the sexy lady? Miss Scarlet. Ah, oh, Miss Scarlet. There you Boom. go. There we go. So all these people are brought together on one stormy night. Mm-hmm. And the butler played by the incomparable. What's his name? I've said it nine Tim times. <laughs> <laughs> unforgettable. The unforgettable. <laughs> I was like, Man, I, was, I thought you were pausing for dramatic effect, and I was like, "You're doing it. You did no, it. It's no, dramatic." I just, <laughs> I just forgot. Um, 
the unforgettable Tim Curry. Uh, they're brought together and they're all sort of on edge because they all got a letter. Yeah, these anonymous letters are from Mr. Who's Mr. It? Body. Mr. Body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't know who they're from. They just know right. to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all sit down and start having dinner. And Christopher, Tim Curry, not Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry is like, sit down. You'll all know what happens shortly. And and very quickly, it comes out that uh, they bring in Mr. Body. And they're all sort of talking around, not talking about who they are. They're not mm-hmm. really identifying themselves. They have they know they have these pseudonyms that they've mm-hmm. been given. And uh, they then say that they're all being blackmailed. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they all say, and the person blackmailing you is Mr. Body. And Mr. Body is like, what? What are you doing? Well, and he tries to get out of there. And then, dun, dun, dun. He's dead. Yeah. The At lights least. go out. It, so Mr. Body is like, oh, so Tim Curry says, I've called the police and they're going to be here in 45 minutes. So we'll, you know, this is, it all comes to an end. Here's yeah. all, you know, whatever. Mr. Body is like, I got you presents. And he gives every person right. a murder weapon. Oh, and yeah. then is like, if you kill the butler, Tim Curry, then we can all just skedaddle and I'll, you know, everything will be fine. And then he turns off the lights. There's a gunshot. The lights go back on. Um, and Mr. Body is on the floor. Yeah. You yeah, that's exactly so, what happened. That's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> and then they're all like freaking out because he's they think he's dead. They think he's dead. And then Well, the, no, he is dead, Joanna. Don't spoil it. I mean, he's he's not dead. He's he's actually not dead. But then they go into another room. Because the maid is screaming. Yes. And they go to console her and she's just recording like the conversation for, I don't know, proof purposes. And then she's just scared. And then they're like, oh, where's the cook? And they go into the kitchen. The cook's dead. The cook's dead. Yeah. So now it becomes this whodunit of Mm -hmm. like, they don't know who's killing people. They but don't people know are dying, but people are dying. Yeah. Uh, and to I mean, truly, we could it, to go through this point by point would literally take 90 minutes. So suffice it to say, at one point, they're all running around trying to figure this out. At one point, a police officer comes in mm-hmm. and he, and they're all like, oh, scared and hijinks. There's so many puns in this movie, you guys. Like everything <laughs> is a, it's like it's like a combination of puns and like Amelia Bedelia, where it's like yeah. they say something literally like they say something figurative and people take it literally. And it's like it's like hijinks. It's all Everyone's like running around, screaming, yeah. screaming, uh, running. Yeah, suspicious, scared, but in a fun way. Yeah, and basically, yeah, there's like a, a motorist that shows up. There's a police yeah, a officer who's car who's out. There's a there's a at one point in one second in one like fell swoop, um, the maid gets killed. Uh, the cop gets killed. Is that right? Yep. And, and then a singing telegram. <laughs> a yeah, singing telegram gets killed. All. Within like the span of about a minute, mm-hmm. um, and of course this is while like power outages and lights breaking and different things of people getting locked in rooms and trap doors, and it comes to this end. I mean, we're uh, truly the only way to explain it. So it comes to this end, and because of the way the game works, they do this movie in such a brilliant way, where they actually tell you. Is it three or four endings? I think it's three endings. It's three endings. And Tim Curry does this amazing thing where he like did it, did it, did it, did it, and walks through like all the different things that have happened all night. And he's like, and of course, this is what happened. And then we go into the bedroom and then blah, blah, oh, yeah. right? he's like, and they all follow him and they're all like hanging on his every word. Uh, but they tell the they tell these different endings of who could have done it. Mm-hmm. And the third ending is they all did it in different ways. Like each one of them has committed a different murder at yeah. some point in this night. And then of course it ends with uh the FBI or the police coming in. They well, all the big, wait, arrest. but there's like the big twist, which is that Tim Curry is actually the guy who's been blackmailing oh, yeah. all of them. And he orchestrated everything. And then my Michael McKean, Mr. Green. Yeah. Uh who well the, there's a whole like 
he's a homosexual like that's literally yeah, he, his, his this, whole, the whole thing theme through the whole movie is that michael mckean is gay and that's the thing that he's being blackmailed about yeah um and there's the the ending to the last the last line of the last mo- of the last like reveal is michael mckean going all right sir well now i'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife yeah it's just like uh, yeah of the time i guess i don't know but it's i mean i don't find it offensive like i think the bit is kind of fun especially of the time it's 1985 he's secretly homosexual it's like silly 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 they have a bunch of great moments where it's like the hot maid and it's like i'll search like all the straight dudes are like i'll go searching with you and he's like i won't and he like walks away (laughs) there's like a few cute like moments of him just like being gay i don't feel like they make his queerness like uh anything other than just something that some people like they it feels very face valid the whole thing yeah i mean yeah it's it's like the don't ask don't tell he has a government job like that's his yeah whole. yeah and so, i just like, feel the like the other somebody for it definitely the other people have like more scandalous things to or not scandalous but like actually bad I mean, one of them runs done. a brothel yeah well She's also like has all these secrets and bribing. Well, yeah, cops that's what you and, find out is like she sells yeah. secrets. But like, yeah, Miss Scarlet. Ha- I mean, of course, because the Scarlet Letter. She has a like she's she's what's she's the word a business I, lady. She's a the oldest she's a madam in the world. A madam, thank you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, anyways, so, but yeah, so that's how it ends. They all did it, but also like there's different options. I think, and I'm totally. This is anecdotal memory from like a thing that someone once said to me. But I think when they initially released this in theaters, they only did one ending in each theater so like in different like you had to go multiple times to see the different that is genius yeah i think i think i would i hope that's the case i hope it's the case too um this could have been googled but i researched other things for this podcast yeah um how uh before we get into our research and everything like that like how did you like how was watching this movie for you oh it's just fun like it's such a good movie and it's really entertaining and I, yeah, I, I watched it like on last Friday night and it was like, it was like a, I don't know. It felt like a, an event that I, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, Oh, sometimes some of the movies I'm like, okay, I got to watch this movie. This one was like, this is what I'm going to do with my Friday night. Yeah. Cause it's like entertaining and fun. Yeah, I watched this one real early. Like I watched this one, I think on like Thursday yeah like, we're recording this on monday so right. normally I, re- I watch on like saturday sunday and we record right. on monday um yeah i watched this one really early it's, it's just such fun. a fun ho- and it's a great like halloween watch because yeah. it's like kind of a spooky little like you know stormy mansion kind of vibe totally um yeah i love it this movie is i just I like every time i watch it but especially this time because i was watching it so intentionally like it's just so funny it this is. movie has so many hilarious lines. I mean, I was funny. waiting for the Madeline Kahn, the yes. flames, flames on flames. the side of my face, on the side of my face. Yeah, she just is. <laughs> so, so... I forgot that it happened like one of the last it's minutes in one of, of the, the movie. It's yeah. in the very last ending, I think. Right. Or one of them. It's one, the it one that one she of did them. everything. I think but... it is the last ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's so it's so good. And it, it like, is so good. And yeah, it just like the the lines, the puns in this are so just unending. And it's yeah. like you just the the humor of it all just doesn't stop. And even just little cute moments of like at one point while they're explaining what's happening, the lights go out and then Tim Curry's dead on the ground and then the lights come back on and then he keeps explaining what's going on. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's not dead. He just is like <laughs> doing bits. It really um, is like just a mile a minute. And I feel like it's a very contained cast and yes. the setting is very contained. Yet yeah. I was like, there's not one minute where I was like looking at the time because it just like is just nonstop. And it's some of the best character actors we've ever yeah, had. Totally. And they're all in one cast. So this totally. is, I mean, there's a reason why this movie that's about a board game in 1985 is like such a classic that like, you and I in our spry young youth years are still happy to watch <laughs> as we yawn our way through 10 p.m. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this movie. Um, and, you know, it is a movie that, to be honest, 
there's not a lot of people of color in this movie. I think the police officer is the only one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't know that there's a lot that like we that I watched and I was like, rut row. I mean, we've watched so many movies and we go back and we're like, eesh. But like, I don't know that there's a lot that like struck me as like, oh, no. Yeah, no, nothing that like I wouldn't still see in movies today, I guess. Yeah, like it did. It doesn't. It's aged well, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah, and yeah. That, like, yeah. It, it it was not. The jokes are not playing on, like even the gay jokes. I didn't find playing on like stereotypes in yeah. any way, other than like, oh, he's gay, which means he has sex with men, which means he's not interested in having sex with that woman. Okay, right, like that was right. like, yeah. So it never feels like, yeah. It just is such like clever, silly, um, even like. Miss Scarlet, I mean, we've gone off on how we support sex workers on this podcast. Even like Miss Scarlet as like a madam is like not like this disgusting, depraved, like, you know what I mean? It's got kind of a fun. But what I like too is that she's like very dimensional aside from that. Like she's like an ambitious businesswoman and like she happened, her business happens to be sex work, but that's not like her whole. And she's pretty sexy, but like, you know. Uh, you know, it was funny is for a second, I thought you were saying, and she just happens to be hot. <laughs> I that's what you No, Which, that's, yeah. As fate would have it. Uh, that is one of the weirdest. It always feels so microaggressive when people say just happens to be, and then they like name something. It's like, no, you're my friend and you just happen to be gay or whatever. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't just happen to be. I am. I just yeah. am. <laughs> When uh, when Niall DeMarco won America's Next Top Model, uh, Tyra Banks was like, you didn't win this because you're deaf. You won this because you're a model and you just so happen to be deaf. And I just remember watching and being like, that's a weird thing to say. That's a weird way to put it. That's a weird way to put it. Anyways, we digress. Yeah. And in fact, that's our outro music. So we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with some research. Yeah. Yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> We'll be right back. Be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we are back. Yep. All right, y'all. So we are in the second half of this gorgeous podcast in our gorgeous new format. And I'm going to start us off. So I was really, like, actually a little stumped when it came to doing research about this movie because I was like, there's so many things happening with so many people, with so many characteristics and oddities and quirks and all of that goodness Mm -hmm. and so i actually decided to start with um the idea of blackmail and so the psychology of blackmail which then took me down a rabbit hole of the psychology of the false confession Mm. and so i found this great article um 2005 um by Jesse Baring and Todd Shackelford um about the false confession in like interrogation so like police interrogation practices and different things like that so anybody who's taken like a, a intro to psych class or a social psych class like um there's always a, a topic on like eyewitness testimony and like whether it's very good or like 
forced confessions or like tampering with like the the quality of like people's memories and things like that. But what I really hadn't um, done a lot in is like understanding false confession and why, like how the police are able to get someone to confess to a crime that they have never committed. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's a real thing, and it really oh happens. yeah yeah it happens like quite a bit yeah. So um, one of the things that that they start talking about is just like something as simple as like waiving your Miranda rights, right? So if someone um, chooses not to waive their Miranda rights, um, th- there's a weird double-edged sword here. So sometimes people will choose to waive their Miranda rights because they don't want to look suspicious. Mm-hmm. So they don't talk with I have nothing present. to hide. I have nothing to hide. I don't need a lawyer. I don't need whatever, right? Um, and the flip side sometimes is uh, they 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 don't want to seem suspicious, and so sometimes the police will um, play on that in a way. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody does ask for their Miranda, like to like hold their Miranda rights or whatever the legal term is, I'm not I'm not a doctor of that. Um, they the police will then assume guilt, so it is a real thing that they're like doing. Um, don't think too hard about this. If you're just get a lawyer, no matter what, if you're talking to the police, get a lawyer, just get a lawyer. (laughs) Um, anyways. And so police often will use like tactics concerning, uh, evidence, um, like good cop, bad cop. Right. So they try to elicit like a familiarity to then make people feel safe in order to get them to confess. Um, and so, like, when we think about it, right, like, f- for the most obvious reasons, right, it seems counterintuitive that anybody would ever, like, confess to something, um, even if they're guilty, right, that you would just, like, straight up be like, it was me, right? Like, mm-hmm. that, that um, even if you've done the thing. Um, but what what people start are, are starting to think is that certain things um, might motivate uh, people to to confess they're the urge to confess um you know of course it is real but like what what takes them there so in some in some studies they've argued that confession is like a preemptive strategy so that um it reduces the like moral offense of what you've done right so if you're guilty that you'd confess like quickly just to like show remorse so that the the so- sort of social group the community around right you. the guilt is killing you and the and guilt is you, killing yeah. you you know you want to show that like you're sorry for what you've done um and like anxiety of course like would precipitate that kind mm-hmm. of confession um and that like the 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 recourse is just that it might have a, a positive effect on how you're viewed by by different things i actually as an aside was watching law and order with my mom yesterday and they were doing the thing where like the guy was saying he's not guilty and they were like if he pleads guilty we'll lower the charges to like whatever 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 mm-hmm. and i actually was watching it and i was like mom this is so messed up like why do we have a system mm-hmm. that's like you know it would actually save us time if you just said you did it and then so we'll make it less if you did right. it. and it's like the person's just as dead like it what like that right. anyways and like also just being like look if you're gonna you know especially with how corrupt our justice system is like telling people like listen you're not gonna get off on this one so you might as well take the plea and like it just feels so wrong anyways that's an aside um because i'm just like a really caring person and i just like <laughs> think about justice a lot there's so many oh there's so many factors that you yeah. know like because there's i mean you're talking about false confessions so then there's like, you know, is the person, does the person have something to actually hide or not? Right. That's like one factor. There's right. also like, what is it? I'm sure you'll talk about this, but like suggestibility or impression, yes. like being impressionable. Yes. yes. Um. Yeah. So, so one of the interesting things Um. I'm, I am going to talk about some impressionability stuff, Uh. but also, so one of the interesting things is um, that like innocent people um like the the fear of punishment is part of what sort of like um gets there right so if you're if you're innocent and you're afraid that the punishment will be really really bad um a false confession might be like an adaptive strategy here because of exactly those things that i was saying right these mm-hmm. plea deals or this like just the the impressionability um these different things uh, again memory is actually very tamperable Mm -hmm. so there are ways in which people have like been forced you know have confessed to things and almost kind of believe that they may have somehow been 
culpable in different situations. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the, the thing is like a lot of what this article comes down to, which I really love is so it takes sort of, um, an evolutionary approach to it. Mm-hmm. So understanding that like through human history in different ways, there have been juries basically like your peers decide your fitness and your right to exist within the community and the communal space. So like this sort of like the more impressionable you are and the more like you fear the sort of community view of you could get you to sort of cooperate in a way that like is is kind of strange. Um, and well, so- there's also a lot of uh, like evolutionary benefits to being perceived well, right? Mm-hmm. So like that exactly. there there is a personal gain to be had by having a good reputation. Yeah. And and so um you know like observers are you know people who are seen guilty are more likely to believe that um recidiv- recidivism is possible. Mm-hmm. Um or or essentially that like the the person or not recidivism recidivism is when you re reoffend but that um What's the word? Rehabilitation. Uh, rehabilitation. Thank you. That rehabilitation is possible, right? And so that the person who's saying they've done it has has suffered enough through feeling ashamed and that promotes forgiveness. Um, there's sort of this ancestral view that like um, that uh, by sort of denying one's guilt, even if one was innocent, one might actually have like a more calamitous impact on like their own community relationships. Um, if people like had totally uncompromising false beliefs. So like if other people are constantly saying it and saying it, saying it, you're now like, it's just easier to go with what everyone is saying rather than being the one who constantly is sort of like poking the bear. So yeah. a, a sort of uh, similar, but not the same kind of like uh, evolutionary, like cooperative um, thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, one of the things though, is that it shows that like confession, as they say, can serve as a signal of commitment to others because it reduces the likelihood of defection from the relationship. So if you're confessing, then you're actually saying like, I'm invested in you. I'm invested in this space. Um, And so like confessing, um, you know, people uh, essentially, innocents can find themselves increasingly influenced by authority figures who are priming them to all of these things with, uh, they often use fabricated details um, and they do things to like get them to sign a confession. So, you know, normally when people would confess something like the safest person for you to confess something to is a priest, right? Cause it's anonymous or whatever, you know, maybe a therapist or like a close family member. Mm -hmm. Um, These two actually, because they're evolutionary psychologists actually tie this to like genetic fitness, Mm -hmm. meaning the people that are most invested in your ability to continue to procreate, are therefore the safest to hold this sensitive information. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And so essentially what they're saying, though, is that the police, by playing this good cop, bad cop, um, they're essentially like using this heuristic to to adopt like a familial role to the people who are confessing. So by seeming like, I'm your friend, I'm here to help you, leads even further into this idea so these interrogation tactics um you know are are successful yeah i mean i think you mentioned it before too right like they're these symbols of these people represent an authority an established justice system an established system that is can you know can be increasingly hard for someone to to deny even if they are innocent. They yeah. want to still be a member of this system that's yeah. governed by these individuals and these authority figures. And, you know, authority figures can often be people we trust because we benefit or believe we benefit socially from participating in the system. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, never talk without a lawyer present (laughs) well i mean i think you know (laughs) yeah it's a bigger conversation too about like post-truth society right like the truth doesn't matter in some ways what matters is being accepted and being safe and like that if people don't have those 
if they're not accepted, if they're not feeling safe, like truth doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you are not part of a community, Mm -hmm. we are social animals. Mm -hmm. We are creatures of communal spaces. And it's the scariest thing is being completely rejected by it. Yeah. That actually is a beautiful. Do you have more that you want no, to talk about? That's that? it. It's I'll, like I'll a beautiful. At the end. Yes. But it's a beautiful segue into kind of what I researched, which okay. is social interactions and how they can impact your cognitive abilities. Yeah. And so essentially, when we think about social interactions, we tend to think of pro social behavior like cooperation, altruism, things like that. Right. But deception and lying is also, (laughs) it takes two people. (laughs) One person has to lie and one person has to be lied to. And so it really begs this question of like, is lying bad? And like, what kind of bad, right? Like, because there's certainly, you know, deception can increase risks of being rejected from a social group, right? There are studies that, you know, high rates of lying are associated with peer rejection, (laughs) uh, with conduct problems, with, you know, kind of other antisocial behaviors that are very problematic Yeah, (laughs) and would remove, you know, delinquent behavior. Um, And so, you know, there's very real justifications for why, like, we think lying is bad. We don't want to teach it to our children. (laughs) Yeah. But so I actually, but I, I did look at basically what lying looks like and how it impacts cognitive abilities in both children and adults. And there is like a very real kind of rationality for why just all types of sociality might benefit cognition. Um, And even though most studies look at cooperation and altruism, I'm sure those are easier to get funded. Because if your thesis is like lying makes you smarter, it's like not... (laughs) It's not as fun. That's um, what my thesis was about. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm lying. Oh my gosh. That was so good. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, there's there's been a lot of like correlational studies that have looked at young children who have relatively strong executive function, theory of mind skills, right? So oh, yeah. theory of mind, which is something that's developed around three or four years old, but really being able to understand that what goes on in your head is not the same thing as what goes on in somebody else's head. Theory of Um, mind is the thing that is sort of like most famously like uh, not present in like people with autism. So they can't mm -hmm. think what the other person's thinking, right? That's the, it's a, it's a very specific. Yeah. It's like a a perspective taking. It's such a strange. Yeah. It should just be called perspective taking. Yeah. It's the concept of theory of mind. I hate the title, but anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, But basically there's some correlational studies, young children who have strong executive function Uh and strong theory of mind skills are more likely to tell lies and and are better at maintaining the lies they've told. Uh um, And they're faster at learning how to lie. Um, And what we see in adults, I'm kind of like going back and forth, but what we see in adults, right? So we, we see social interaction requires complex cognitive abilities right you have to have to track others changing mental states yeah you have to manage distractions you know from what's going on in the environment you have to pursue goals uh you have to solve problems you have to engage in turn taking and so it's very plausible that you know all forms of social interaction can um improve your cognitive abilities and you know something about executive function specifically, which is something I studied in grad school. So that's like, we're talking about working memory, right? So like keeping things in mind to accomplish tasks, updating that information as new information becomes available, um, like shifting from one task to another, um, inhibition. So like maintaining your focus on something while like inhibiting, you know, distractions Uh or, um, just like impulse control right of right. like being able to keep your mind keep your eye on the prize essentially yeah 
Um, and so that's all kind of under this umbrella of executive function. Yeah. And there's like older theories that said, this is, you know, you're born with this. This is like a very static kind of trait. Uh-huh. You know, you can't really, you know, everyone has this kind of trait level executive function. Yeah. On the IQ test, one of the, one of the scales is executive function and IQ tests are supposed to be stable from about mm-hmm. the age of seven. So even if you like, as you age, like the idea of your capability for executive functioning is, is considered within psychology broadly to be a stable construct. Yes. But right. There is some, you know, more recent evidence that suggests, you know, at least some dimension or part of this, it, it can be kind of up regulated, down regulated, or up regulated totally. with other kinds of um tasks or you know, other kinds of interventions or right. you know, things that you might do. Mindfulness is one of them. That's what I studied. Um, but short-term social interactions, there's been some evidence that show that you know, that can be as beneficial as like playing some kind of uh, cognitively taxing like brain game or something. Um, and so this uh, Ibarra and colleagues, uh, this paper in 2011 looked at, this is in adults, they looked at different tasks and, and different forms of social interaction. Uh-huh. Um, and basically they first looked at just, you know, um, a getting to know you kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and a cooperative kind of task and also a competitive task. Uh-huh. And they found that um, the cooperative tasks were had a better impact on um, cognitive functioning or executive functioning and kind of boosted executive functioning more than a competitive, right? So their initial kind oh, cool. of, uh-huh. their, their initial uh, findings were that like, you know, cooperation brings you together and it's actually more, cognitively beneficial than if you're competing with people. Uh-huh. But they followed that up with some specific types of competition. And their takeaway from that was like, if there's a competitive situation where you are perspective taking uh-huh. and you are like, um, one of them was like a mind reading uh, exercise where you're trying to guess if the other person's lying or not. Uh-huh. Another one is um, you're like, you're playing this kind of wall street game where you're trying to like be an investor and then like you have an opponent Uh um and they were given different instructions like try to understand your opponent and take their perspective or not um and so they found that if there was like some perspective taking involved Uh that even with like competitive um competitive games even ones involving lying, there's um, benefits to cognitive performance. And that kind of reminded me of this movie though, because they are doing that throughout the course of the movie is like getting to know each other, each other's dirt and motivations. And there's, you know, they're they're not exactly getting along, but they're they're also trying to work cooperatively towards figuring out who's killing everyone. Um, and so even though there's a lot of lying that's going on because of the way that they are socially interacting with each other, we could say that their cognitive abilities are probably boosted throughout as they're on their way to jail for the murder. The um, but the other study that I thought was really funny, it was not funny, but like looking at this in, in young children yeah. who are just at that age of like not quite knowing how to lie yet. Totally. And they took these children and taught them this kind of hide and seek game. And um, basically they played with an adult. They Uh had a treat or like, you know, something yummy in one of their hands. And and they had uh, an adult opponent who had one chance to like guess which hand the yummy treat was in. So if they lied, then there was a lot to gain, right? That they could Uh keep that treat if they, told the truth there was their like a their disadvantage right they would lose the treat um and so they actually controlled for baseline ability to deceive so they had like all these children do that any children who kind of like inherently were lying because in this game were like not part of the study Uh all the children who just like didn't it didn't occur to them to lie (laughs) yet were randomized to two conditions. So one was 
they were taught how to lie uh-huh. and and in the trick of the game right which is like you know if you just tell them the other hand like you'll get to keep the treat and then another condition where they you know they weren't given any instructions on like how to yeah yeah um, win the game and so they did some executive functioning testing and theory of mind testing before and after they played this game for like four days in a row oh my god and um they found that these children in the experimental condition who were taught to lie who did not initially know how to lie significantly improved their executive functioning and theory of mind skills more than the control condition (laughs) um and so you know it's it's really interesting because you know even though you're like kids don't lie like that's not good and there there are some risks there right which i said before like you sociopathy yeah (laughs) there's some you know even like underlying like high rates of lying underlying some forms of bullying or just like you know peer rejection um that there are some like cognitive benefits to lying and so um, i thought that that was really interesting because it's like should you teach your kids to lie no but also like (laughs) it's not it's not it is like lying is uh uh, sort of an additional layer of thinking so like especially if you've now lying is essentially like lying uh, late sorry lie telling a lie is essentially placing uh like a filter over the world where you have to remember what you've sort of like added to the mm-hmm. real picture, right? Mm-hmm. You've got you have this to keep extra two thing. stories straight. So you have to keep two stories straight. Um, I actually just watched The Mole on Netflix. Oh, is it good? I really enjoyed it. I mean, like it's it's such a trippy show because you know someone is lying the whole time, right? And so people really like go into this like double bluff where there's people being like, "No, I want people to think I'm the mole because." If people think I'm the mole, then they're going to guess I'm the mole when they take the test. And if they guess wrong on the test, then they go home. Mm -hmm. But like, I know I'm not the mole, so I want them to think I am. And then it's like this whole thing where like, so then you see people like sabotaging games and stuff. And you're like, but are you, but is it you? But is it you though? But does it matter in the case of like they get ahead in the game, whether or not they're the mole? Like it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, so you, you, I watched the ten episode season really just to watch the the last fifteen minutes of the last episode and be like, what did they do? How did the mole? <laughs> oh yeah, that's where they lay it all out, right? That's where they're like, and look at all the ways that they screwed you over. I'm using uh a non-gendered pronoun very intentionally because i, I mean this was a show this was also like an actual network show right yeah, is it the same they, exact thing early 2000s same same concept okay anyways okay. lying right yeah. and so like even just watching the show is trippy because you really have to think so much you about... have to maintain and there's the task switching too right what's the truth what's the lie yeah like which story is it which you know and all the threads and but there's yeah. also like pro-social form. We talked about this, like white lies, right? Or like keeping yeah. the peace. Like, yeah, it's not morally black and white. It's not morally black and white. I mean, there are there are, you know, good lies in the sense of like, does it, you know, add? D- does it improve someone's life to to have this small sort of thing? Right. Like this small or or does it like sometimes the whole truth is not what any of us wants. You know, I I would rather someone, you know, maybe tell me they're just so busy. They're just so busy. And I get to be like, oh, I guess I'm not a priority than have them be like, here's the thing. I think you're hideous and I never want to go on (laughs) with you ever again. (laughs) You know, I don't even know the full details. Just tell me you're yeah. busy. Like that yeah. sounds fine. And again, I am sorry I did that to you. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> I I'll never get over it. And I will <laughs> this is your punishment. Is your force to, to podcast. podcast with me for all eternity. <laughs> um well so my last little thing that I also wanted to look into because I knew there was a little bit of research on this and I just thought it was interesting. And it's like a real phenomenon. This is a real phenomenon. So my last thing uh, is I looked into like, why do women love true crime so much? Yeah, Ladies be is, crazy. It is a real 
thing. There is so much spooky content out there for women. I mean, and well, there's also like the preponderance of like uh, social media, like love for these serial killers. Yes. Yes. What is that? I mean, with the dot and and I, this research that I pulled is not serial specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a it's true crime sort of generalized. So I found an article um, from the the journal Social Psychology and Personality Science uh, from 2010 uh, by Amanda Vacari and Chris Fraley, not Farley, Fraley, mm-hmm. uh, R. Chris Fraley. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Captured by True Crime. Why are women drawn to tales of R-word, M-word, and serial killers? Oh my um, goodness. Because this is YouTube. I have to censor right, those right, words right. a little bit. Um, it took me a second, but I got there. R-word, M-word, and serial killers. I think yeah. I can say that. Um, yeah. It'll probably make us pop if we're in the algorithm because I said serial killers. I'll say it again. <laughs> serial killers. Um, But so... In this article, I thought it was really interesting. So they, um, you know, th- in the, in their background, they sort of talk about this idea of the, this multifaceted understanding here because, okay, we have a real fascination. Uh, we, we obviously, they're sort of theorizing already that women have sort of more fascination in, in murder than men. One of the things they start with is saying um, that men are actually more likely to be murdered than women. Mm. Um, men are more likely to engage in violent interactions, which are more likely to result in murder. So right. when we think about like the number one uh, type of murder is gun violence mm-hmm. in this country. Men are more likely to die by proactive, intentional um, means. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting is that in terms of the media that we consume, so this isn't even about murder this is about true crime right so in terms of true crime we actually have a vast uh number of like the vast majority is true crime is about violence against women Mm -hmm. which obviously a single paper cannot like determine like why is that right it tries to um so they did uh, a series of studies um so they actually did five studies. In the first two studies, the authors um, conducted a study of reader reviews to look at like the book choices that um, that women and men choose. And they found in these first two that women are more drawn to true crime stories and men are more attracted to other violent genres like war, mm-hmm. like zombies, um, things like that. So, uh, which like, I think anecdotally, we probably are like, yeah, okay, but... Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Um, and then in the the studies three, four, and five, they manipulated different characteristics across true crime stories to, to figure out like what do women actually find appealing. And so, um, they, they sort of use these like evolutionary perspectives on aggression and murder. And so, uh, essentially, you know what they found um, is that evolutionarily. Um, you know, people have, as long as humans have existed, so has murder, uh, right. shout out Cain and Abel. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking that. Right. Uh, just kidding. We at this podcast <laughs> do not believe that Cain and Abel were, <laughs> were the first two children in, in, in the world, but, um. Speak for yourself. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> terrible. Um, but that like, even something is, uh, like, uh. There was a Iceman that was found like frozen uh, that was supposed to be like 5,300 years old. Mm-hmm. And like they discovered when they did the autopsy, like cause of death was murdered by Arrowhead. <laughs> like, you right, know, like, right. People are killing people. Right. Date unknown and unnecessary. Like, right. Um. Anyways, so there are like real like evolutionary like underpinnings here like murder is as old as humans are so Mm -hmm. in terms of like why would women find this more compelling is they they had a few theories that sort of lined up with what they found one is that women fear becoming the victim of a crime more so than men do um which is important i think to, Mm -hmm. to be thinking about right so um 
the idea in this then would be that um that women because they're experiencing fear um want to sort of search the media to understand like possible uh scenarios for themselves right to learn more about the the sort of problem the, the problems despite the fact that like actually um uh, men are more likely than women to be the victim of a crime period mm-hmm. um and that uh that women experience far more fear of crime um particularly of certain crimes such as our word uh which o- occur obviously more frequently for women um other researchers think that the media is is largely to blame for a lot of this in that the crimes that we focus on in the media tend to be where women are victimized. Right. Um, I actually heard an interesting piece. Uh, I read I read an interesting piece uh, online a few years ago, and I can't remember where it was like a vulture or like a Vox thing that was like, we need to stop telling stories about uh, sexual assault that are fictional. Mm-hmm. In the sense that it was like by assaulting your fictional characters, you continue this violence against women. Like it, it perpetuates a lot of this like fear. Mm-hmm. Not that like, it, and again, the, the the person who was writing this was not saying like we need to stop talking about sexual assault. But what they were saying is like that there is still a traumatization that occurs when you take like a, a character in a TV show or a film or a novel that you've developed an attachment to and that, or even that you haven't developed an attachment to and you, uh, that, that character is assaulted is its own form of assault. Um, and so I do think there is something like really important in the media to be just thinking about like what's happening when you're telling this story um, and how does it uh, disrupt one's feeling of, of safety, particularly, um, you know, with these, with these characters that, that you're also, I mean, not again, not that it's okay when you're not attached to the character, but like just the, the sort of preponderance of it, like keeps it at the front of the minds of people, particularly women who are scared all the time of this incredibly heinous thing that does happen. I don't know. It's a complicated thing. Yeah. I mean, I think like the things that come up for me are like, you know, the media likes to tell stories that are as black and white as possible. Yes. And, you know, they really lean into gender stereotypes. Like, I mean, what, so with women and violence against women, the most common perpetrators of that is men, mm-hmm. not like other women. Right. And so, and then there's gender stereotypes about men being physically stronger than women. Yes. And, and yeah. just, it, it allows the, you know, news to portray these stories as the sympathetic victim who is a weaker woman who there is nothing she could do to protect herself and a stronger man who, you know, like, like it's, I just feel like it's a, as sick as it is to say, like, it's like a a cleaner narrative to kind of like paint um, the victims as sympathetic. And um, I think too, to your point though, like, it's like, this fascination that that women have specifically which is like it's the same reason well it's it there's like the fear response there's like the entertainment factor of being afraid and then there's also like and this is just anecdotally but i'm thinking of svu specifically but it's like okay taking notes (laughs) is there a preparedness kind of element yeah there is there yeah And, and so in this article they actually talk about um two things one um understanding motive Mm -hmm. um so like a part of like sort of the Dahmer stuff or these like serial killer things is like if we watch and like sort of humanize the serial killer in a way it can reaffirm this like just world hypothesis right that like the reason this person is doing those bad things is because blank yeah a need to understand yeah understand the motive right why someone would do it because it makes us feel safer to know like oh well I would never blah, 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 right? We've talked about this when we've talked about sexual assault in the past, right? This just world hypothesis is what tells people like, is what has people saying the first question is like, what was she wearing, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, by blaming the the victim, you're separating yourself. So by right. understanding the motive of the killer, you're keeping yourself safer. Mm-hmm. And the last one is exactly what you said in terms of like taking notes. The last one is, you know, by studying these tactics, maybe it's possible to use these as survival tips should Mm -hmm. these things happen. And so part of what they're essentially saying is like, because this is so tied to our own like 
drive to stay alive and the the drive of women in particular to stay alive, it's so egocentric. Mm-hmm. To, it's so like aligned with your your brain is like mm, yum facts about murder yeah right like it right. feels soothing yeah however like there's a lot of evidence that shows that like you know spending a lot of your time thinking about murder and true crime actually increases your anxiety of course overall. I mean right. it's you're you're increasing your attention to it your fixation you're thinking about it more I mean it, for sure it feeds it's a vicious cycle it's a vicious cycle. And if you think about it, women are the problem. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke for those who couldn't see. That, that was their conclusion statement. That was their concluding statement. Was yeah. It's women's fault. Um, they actually just blamed shopping. I don't know why. <laughs> they said it's shopping's fault. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's wild just to think about. And it is such like a phenomenon, especially in the last like decade, there's been such mm-hmm. an uptick in like true crime. I mean, even like, uh, like in the podcasting world shows like my favorite murder, mm-hmm. um, which in a way we kind of use some of that format uh, on our, on our own podcast where it's like, yeah. Hey, we're going to do a thing. And now you share your thing that you're excited about. And I'll share my thing that I'm excited about. And then, you know, have a great day. We'll see you next yeah, time. Yeah. Um, you know, and we don't we don't research together. We research separate. And so we can tell each other about the things that we like. You know, the, but that podcast, I've listened to probably like 80 episodes. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun. Yeah. Um, there's just such a huge, yeah, it's such a huge thing. And while Clue is not true crime, it's truly criminal if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, how like that that needs to be the end of the of our of our talking about clue. That needs to be does. the last thing that's I up. think I think it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, what a move. What a movie. That was so great. And okay, so let's pivot into I guess next week's, right? Yeah, let's talk about next week's movie. Okay. I don't know what it is. You don't, and I chose it and I definitely did choose it before. No, I'm serious. I I, I really uh I did choose a movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> I did it just Google um popular movie right now. Popular um, movie. <laughs> Honestly though, I feel like this might come up if you were to Google that. But all right. Okay, so this is from 1991. Um there's a few taglines. Okay. Um, All right. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with one of them is too vague. It's like not fun. Um, I'll start with this one. That's like not super obvious. To live would be an awfully big adventure. Hook. Yeah. Yeah. That's a line <laughs> from Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. To, I think it's to die would be an awfully big adventure is what uh, Peter Pan well, says in the original. IMDb. Book said no that's the, the hook line you're right because they're they're it's their twist there you go yeah, yeah there yeah, you yeah, go yeah because yeah. yeah. peter pan is so like rigid in this right. like uh robin williams is so so he needs to live right, but, right, right. Uh, in the in the book i do believe peter says to die would be an awfully big adventure Ugh, um referencing books can all this is a movie man Sorry about it. This is a movie <laughs> podcast. I apologize. All the, this is a background behind me. Yeah, that's not, uh, not real. A, They're all cardboard. My childhood uh, <laughs> books. Um. Oh my gosh, so excited! I wanted um, to do a Robin Williams movie, and yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's some themes here. There's some stuff. There. Oh, there's some stuff. Um, some like fun little things a cute little uh phil collins cameo and uh and a glenn close cameo to look Mm -hmm. forward to um and yeah i'm super excited yeah yay you got it real fast so real fast you know so we'll just vamp we'll just vamp (laughs) (laughs) um all right well y'all this has been another episode of real psych i am dr jd barton and i am dr joanna whitkin Please, 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 please. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're listening, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Um, tell a friend. Yeah, leave comments, leave reviews. Yeah, Give please. us five stars. Please, please. Send us messages on Insta. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Real Psych. Real Psych. Bye. Bye. Bye.
apply to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.